This podcast is part of the OIW Podcasting Network. It's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. Wrestling fans, and welcome to another edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. My name is Sean, coming to you from London, Ontario, Canada. It's been a crazy week with things being cancelled, moved around, rescheduled, and empty arenas. But I am here going to give you some of the updates on what I have. It's going to be probably a really quick show because a lot of things, as I said, are getting cancelled. But we are still available on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, and anywhere else you get your podcasts from. We're part of the Ontario Indie Podcasting Network, and you can catch all the other shows with information and interviews and event listings. I'll be right back after these short messages. Shock Stock 2020 is coming to the Ramada London on May 1st to the 3rd, the new Earth's biggest pop culture expo and film festival. The real end is near as the outside world falls into chaos. Word of a sanctuary for mutants, freaks, goblins, and geeks spreads throughout the land. It's three days of thrills and chills with screenings, panels, celebrities, workshops, interactive fun, vendors, and all-nighter parties. See special guests like James Lawrence, Mike Lackey, B.A. Johnson, and Sadie Katz. Shockstock 2020 is brought to you by Shockstock, Twisted Tees, Rotten Rags, and Taboo Textiles. For tickets and booking information, go to growtix.com. Shockstock 2020. You don't want to miss it. Are you looking to get into the wrestling business? Well, look no further than the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory, located right here in London, Ontario. It's Tyson has over 20 years of experience in the wrestling world, and he's even been brought down to the WWE Performance Center to be a guest trainer. We've already seen the likes of Jordan James, Kyle Boone, Violet Lee, Jim Strider, Pharaoh Bowman, Chris Mitchells, and many more. Plus, the new generation that are coming from the second group, such as Josh Pine, Shiloh, Nova, Frankie War, and many more. You don't want to miss your opportunity to learn from one of the best in Ontario, if not all of Canada, or the world, in Tyson Dukes. So that's the Tyson Dukes Rust Factory. It's open Monday, Wednesday, and Thursdays, and located at 309 Exeter Road, here in London. 
Hi, I'm the Fireball Kid, Jordan James, and this is the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Okay, wrestling fans, we're back. I want to sincerely thank you for joining me wherever you're listening to us from because, as you know, this past week has just been really crazy with the coronavirus spreading quicker or at least according to media sources and the panic setting in. There's shows being shut down. States and provinces are saying not to have gatherings of 250 people or more. Some places are saying less than 250 people, and that's causing shows to be canceled, especially on the independent scene. We've seen also the major guys like WD moving to the Performance Center and performing in front of a crowd of nobody just so that they can continue entertaining. Normally, we start off each show with the Ontario scene, and that's not going to be forgotten today. We're going to start right off with March 28th, Midwestern Wrestling. They're coming back to Listowel for their second event in company history. They're sending March out like a lion with a huge main event to crown their first ever champion. Will it be the wrestling machine, Tyson Dukes, or Mr. Punchkick Chop, Tarek, as the two of the four pillars head into battle? You'll also see the wave maker, Kyle Boone, taking on the night train, just insane. Sabrina Kyle goes against Nova. The muscle takes on the Canadian buzzsaw, Corey Stone. Backed by popular demand, Psycho Mike Rollins battles the endorsement, Sebastian Suave. There'll also be a triple threat tag team match featuring the team of Randy Bino and Nathan Newton taking on the Revolt and Halal Beefcake. Chris Kurtz has been assigned as the special commissioner of the evening and will be presenting the championship at the end of the night to whoever is victorious between Tyson Dukes and Tarek. There'll also be a special guest, Nug Nargan, from Aftermath on Sportsnet. Along with myself and Chris Maloney, we'll be broadcasting live on Facebook and on YouTube before, during, and after the show. So you want to be there in Midwestern Wrestling, Listowel, Ontario, Saturday, March 28th. And don't forget, on Thursday, March 26th, Clarence and Doug will be joining Chris Maloney and I on the Thursday edition of TNT leading up to this great event. They've already promised that there's going to be a special announcement and you won't want to miss out on it. So join us Thursday, March 26th, TNT, 8 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. A lot of time in Midwestern Ontario growing up. I, uh, I lived in uh, Milverton for a bit. My dad's family's from Millbank. My mom's family's from Newton. I spent a lot of time in Clinton, Ontario. And uh, no matter where we lived, I could always watch wrestling on TV. Wrestling was very important to me. And uh, I remember when wrestling came to the arena in Clinton, I lost my mind. I couldn't believe all the action and all the pageantry that I loved was coming to my town. And now Midwestern Wrestling is doing the same. They're going to these towns and putting on shows with great talent and great action. And March 28th, they're going to be in Listowel. Listowel, Ontario, where we played so much hockey against the Cyclones growing up, where I saw Return of the Jedi at the Capitol Twin Cinemas as a kid. Listowel is the heart of Midwestern Ontario. And on March 28th, 
Midwestern Wrestling comes to Listable. And I thought, why am I not in Listable for this show? Wrestling made such an impact on me growing up that I've ended up turning it into a job. I am on Roger Sportsnet every Friday night on Sportsnet 360 talking wrestling. So why not go to Listable? Why not come to one of these shows once again and enjoy the action I enjoyed so much when I was a kid? So March 28th, Midwestern Wrestling, Listable, Ontario. Nug's going to be there. Don't you dare miss it. I'm Kyle Boone, one handsome SOB, and you're listening to the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. Taking a look at news from Smash Wrestling this week, unfortunately, due to the coronavirus and the location of their next show on March 27th, being Fanshawe College, they needed to cancel their show and reschedule for another date. However, barring any more need to shut down shows, Smash Wrestling will return to St. Thomas on March 19th. Jim Strider makes his return to in-ring action as he takes on his teacher, Tyson Dukes. The tag team of Lux and Books, Rodney Matthews, and Michael Grayson take on Halal Beefcake. Sebastian Suave will have his open challenge, and Tarek challenges the remix of professional wrestling Kevin Bennett to the Smash Wrestling Championship. He'll have Roscoe Black and Muscle in his corner, Part of the Kevin Bennett experience. Then, the following Saturday, April 25th, Smash Wrestling returns to the rec room in Toronto for night one of Smash versus NSPW. Already signed for this event include Ethan Dukes taking on Michael Style. The Pillars, Brent Banks and Tarek battle the Untouchables. Carter Mason faces NSPW Junior Heavyweight Champion Kevin Blanchard, Alexia Nicole takes on Maeve O'Farrell, and in tag team action, the Wonder Boys will take on the Kevin Bennett experience. Plus, Daniel Garcia goes one-on-one with Marcus Burke, and the NSPW champion, Matt Angel, will be in action. Then, the following night, on Sunday, April 26th, night two of Smash vs. NSPW, will be here in London, Ontario at the Music Hall. You'll see Maeve O'Farrell taking on Sebastian Suave, Psycho Mike Rollins against RJ City. There'll be a fatal four-way match featuring Brent Banks, Daniel Garcia, Travis Toxic, and Marcus Burke. Tyson Dukes will face off against the NSPW Junior Heavyweight Champion, Kevin Blanchard, and there'll be a champion versus champion match with the NSPW champion, Matt Angel, facing the Smash Wrestling champion, Kevin Bennett. All these tickets can be obtained by going to the Smash Wrestling site at smash-wrestling.com. Just want to remind everybody to go over to our Facebook page where you can be a part of the only March Madness that seems to be happening and that's the Ontario Indie Wrestling March Madness. It's voting for the top 32 people in independent wrestling here in Ontario, being narrowed down to one. Today is match number 15 of 16 in round number one. So that means next week on Tuesday, we'll be heading into round two. And you can be a part of the voting process. You'll be able to see the brackets as they appear 
Every morning at 7 a.m., you can join me on our Facebook page to vote for the next match in the tournament. Looking back at the past 14 matches, it started off on March 1st with Holden Albright defeating Sean Spears. Kevin Bennett defeated Jordan James. There was a tie between Tarek and Josh Alexander, putting them into a triple threat match in round two. And they're going to be joined by Alexia Nicole, who beat Vaughn Vertigo. Jody Threat beat Kyle Boone. Scotty O'Shea beat Gabriel Forza. Daniel Garcia defeated Justin Sane. Tyson Dukes beat Congo Kong. Psycho Mike Rollins advanced over John Greed. Sebastian Suave moved on to round two over Nova. Casey Spinelli beat Lionel Knight. Carter Mason beat Beautiful Bia. Cody Diener beat Kevin Blackwood. And just today, Jim Strider and Mark Wheeler were also a tie moving into a triple threat match against Cody Diener in the next round. Today, you can vote for Ben Ortman's or Channing Decker. You have until 7 a.m. Monday morning to determine who's going to come out on top in that category. And our final match in round number one, we'll see Brent Banks taking on Alec Realm. If you haven't joined us for round one voting, be sure to join us for round two voting. As I said, it starts on Tuesday. Now moving on to the Ontario Indie Road Trip calendar for this week. Barring any more cancellations due to the coronavirus, here are the list of upcoming independent wrestling shows coming your way. Be sure to check with the promoter to see if the matches are still going on. It all begins this Thursday, March 19th, as Demand Lucha presents Lucha Palooza at Lee's Palace in Toronto. On Friday, March 20th, 365 Pro Wrestling will be in Kitchener at the Registry Theatre. On Friday, March 20th, C4 Wrestling presents Take Shelter at St. Anthony's Banquet Hall in Ottawa. Finally, on Friday, March 20th, Superkick Pro Wrestling will be at the Great Hall in Toronto for Gassed Up. Then, on Saturday, March 21st, Crossfire Wrestling presents Meltdown Fallout in St. Catharines. 365 Pro Wrestling will be in Guelph for great wrestling action at the Red Chevron Club in Guelph, Ontario, March 21st. On Sunday, March 22nd, Courage Pro Wrestling has Ring Wars Episode 2, The Rise of a Champion in Hamilton. The following week, on Friday, March 27th, SCAM Promotions has March Mayhem, The Road to the Penance Cup in Hagersville. Crossbody Pro Wrestling has showcase number 32 at the Academy in Kitchener. On March 28th, Alex Shelley will be having a special seminar followed by Crossbody Pro Wrestling presenting March Forward. Bordertown Pro Wrestling presents Fight Night. Hamilton Pro Wrestling presents Spring Slam 3 in Hamilton. Northern Wrestling Experience has March Madness at the Warehouse in St. Catharines. Plus, there's also Midwestern Wrestling in Listowel, Ontario. And finally, on March 29th, Junction City Wrestling presents Space Odyssey 
in Toronto. Once again, due to the coronavirus and the pleas from different levels of government and even venues, restrictions for these events could cause the events to be cancelled. Go to the promotional websites to find out if your event that you're attending is still happening. With any luck, the rest of the world will get back to normal very shortly after this virus has passed. Until then, be sure to also support independent wrestling by seeking out your favorite stars and buying their shirts, buying any of their merchandise. If they have to cancel some of their shows, unfortunately, they're going to start losing some money. You can support them any way possible by seeking them out online and purchasing their merchandise. Any way you can do it, whether it's live or online, support independent wrestling. And be sure to check out the Ontario Independent Wrestling Podcast Network. We have Ontario covered with news, event listings, and interviews all around the province of Ontario. Tyson Dukes is currently one half of the Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions and one of the pillars of wrestling in Ontario. He's had a very impressive career over the past two decades, and it's only natural that aspiring wrestlers would want to learn from a veteran of his caliber. Since October of 2017, Tyson opened up the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory here in London, Ontario. Students learned all aspects of wrestling. The first graduates like Jim Strider, Violet Lee, and Jordan James are making their names for themselves on the indie scene. Whether you're a student or a supporter, you can now be a part of the club and purchase your own beautiful zip-up hoodie. They're just $40 up to extra large and $45 for larger sizes. Contact Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory directly on Facebook to order yours today. If you're looking for a great independent wrestling happening in our province of Ontario, look no further than Ontario Indie Road Trip. It's available on Facebook and YouTube, and we run down all the great events happening in this province. Whether you get in a car, bus, or train, there's a show near you. Support independent wrestling and the Ontario Indie Road Trip. This is Jim Strider, live from the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Now with some information and news uh, regarding AEW. Last week, Dynamite came from the Mer- uh, Maverick Center in Utah, yeah, Salt Lake City, Utah. And of course, Tony Giovanni, Excalibur, and Jim Ross were part of the broadcast team. Shivani interviewed Hangman Page backstage, uh, wondering who his tag team partner was going to be uh, since Kenny Omega is out with a broken hand. The Young Bucks were there for the interview, and Page uh, basically said he was not going to be having Matt as part of his uh, tag team. Wondered if Nick had brought his uh, ring gear or not, but he was still leaving his his tag team partner as a mystery. The first match saw... Ortiz, who was accompanied by Santana, 
taking on the American Nightmare Cody. Um, Aaron Anderson, Brandy Rhodes were there at ringside. They were having their match back and forth, and that's when Jake Snake Roberts showed up with uh, the Murder Hawk, Lance Archer. They came through the crowd, so it's obviously official that Jake's client is Lance, Lance Archer, and they were observing what was going on with Cody. At one point, uh, Archer was about to hop the guardrail and attack Cody, but Jake ended up stopping him, and that's when they ended up leaving the ringside area. Santana did some interfering throughout the match, which Ortiz took advantage of. Um, they ended up going after Cody's leg. At one point, Cody was climbing to the top rope, and Santana grabbed his leg. Brandy hit Santana with her own belt. Ortiz then hit a superplex on Cody with that distraction as well. But Cody was able to come back, and after he went after uh, Ortiz's legs as well basically giving him a dose of his own medicine and locked the figure four leg lock on him in the center of the ring and he was able to pick up the submission victory. After the match, Santana hopped in the ring and hit Cody with the loaded sock. Santana then tried to go after Aaron Anderson, but Matt Jackson and Kenny Omega ran in to make the save. So Kenny was there even though his hand is uh, injured. Just when you thought everything was calming down, that's when... Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, and Sammy Guevara got on the video screen and were mentioning about the fact that the inner circle was going to go after the Elite uh, in two weeks for the Blood and Guts match, which is basically your same rules and appearance, except for I think they're putting a roof on it, as the classic war games from WCW and what WWE does now without a roof. Um... They said that they're coming for the lead. They looked down and Nick Jackson had been taken out um, by the inner circle and was being crushed by the garage door that they were standing by. The inner circle ended up leaving in time for uh, Matt and Cody and Kenny to sprint to the back and help Nick out from under the door. Nick Jackson was then uh, taken care of by paramedics and it appeared that he was uh, taken away to a local medical facility. The next match saw the AEW Women's Champion, the Native Beast, Nyla Rose, teaming with B. Priestley to take on the Galaxy's Greatest Alien, Chris Stantlander, and Hikaru Shida. Uh, there was a moment when people started chanting, Holy Shida! Uh, so I'm sure they're going to pick up on that, I guess, uh, a little bit more. Uh, as far as the tag team match went, it, at the end, Statlander was tagged in and was knocked uh, for a loop by Nyla Rose. Sheeta then got hit with the Beast Bomb by Nyla, and that's how they picked up the victory. After the match, B. Priestley assaulted Nyla Rose. And after kicking her down... B. Priestley picked up the AEW Women's Championship and held it up and then tossed it down at Nyla Rose before leaving. So there's a lot of people going after Nyla Rose, now adding B. Priestley to the list. Chris Daniels did a mock video of the uh, Dark Order recruit videos 
And he said that um, basically screw the Dark Order. There's no exalted one. And that's all a lie. And he challenged both Evil Uno and Stu Grayson at any time, any place. Uh, and when the exalted one doesn't show up to save the day, he'll have proved that he doesn't exist. And later on, they ended up announcing that the exalted one is coming next Wednesday. Or this Wednesday, should I say, uh, to AEW. I believe I saw that Stu Grayson is the first one to accept the challenge from Christopher Daniels. And that will be on uh, Tuesday, uh, the edition of Dark. And then, of course, Wednesday we'll see what happens when I'm going to guess that Evil Uno would be the next opponent for Christopher Daniels. And that's when the Exalted One will show up. There's then a six-man tag team match involving the Butcher and the Blade, who had Bunny in their corner, and MJF, who had Wardlow with him, taking on the Jurassic Express, Marco Stunt, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus. At one point, Marco Stunt and Jungle Boy got into it because Jungle Boy tried to stop him from, or Marco from going any further, and Marco just pushed him away and said, no, I got this. Um... Yeah, the bunny ended up distracting Audrey Edwards, and Marco was uh, forced to tap out to MJF's Salt of the Earth as the uh, finisher of the whole match. Tony Schiavone then had Britt Baker out with him. She brought him another coffee and said that she was uh, there to shake things up in boring Utah because Utah is known for not being able to do a lot of things. I don't even think alcohol is a uh, top thing there. Um... Not sure what all they do and do not allow in that state. But she was definitely insulting them. Um, then Big Swole came out to uh, confront Britt Baker. She basically said that Tony doesn't even like Britt Baker. who uh, Britt was actually hiding behind Tony at the time when Swole came out. Britt said that... The only person in her family was uh, that was important and relevant in the wrestling industry was Big Swole's boyfriend. And that's when Big Swole hold, held up her hand and said, Oh, by the way, he's not my boyfriend. He's my husband, Bay Bay, in refer reference to Adam Cole being Britt Baker's boyfriend. And those who do or do not know, Big Swole's husband is actually Cedric Alexander. And when they got uh, confronting each other, that's when Baker took Tony's cup of coffee and tossed it in Big Swole's face and ran off. Big Swole tried to go after her, and a referee stopped her from doing it, and she ended up storming off back through the uh, fan favorite locker room aisleway. There was a really good six uh, man tag team match with the bad boy Joey Janela and Private Party. Teaming to go against Death Triangle, which is Ray Phoenix, Pentagon, and the Bastard Pac. Um, yeah, these guys can go really well at each other. Pac uh, ended up going up to the top and won with uh, the pinfall after hitting a black arrow on Joey Janela. After the match, uh, Death Triangle applied the Death Triangle submission maneuver onto Private Party and Janela, and the best friends in Orange Cassidy ended up running out to stop the assault. So, obviously, we're going to continue on with Best Friends and Orange Cassidy going after Death Triangle. 
and could be a really good six-person or six-man tag team uh, action. Lexi was backstage with Dustin Rhodes at the time, and he said he was basically tired of the inner circle going after his friends and family, and that he wanted to step up against the inner circle. Told Hangman Page, regardless of what he wants or doesn't want, he will be Hangman's partner in the tag team match at the, in the main event, and they're going to do some cowboy shit. They showed an interview that was taped earlier in the day with JR and Moxley that basically uh, insinuated that Mox's next uh, target is going to be Jake Hager after the attack that he suffered in the concourse last week at the other arena. And then JR asked Moxley about his thoughts on Bud and Guts, especially with it being the inner circle taking on the elite, and he's not part of this uh, match. And he basically said that the inner circle has their hands full with the elite, but he's going to be in their blind spot. So if they're not paying attention, that, uh, yeah, he's going to be right there. And that's what scares the uh, inner circle. The May event did see the uh, Spanish gods, Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho, accompanied by the rest of the inner circle, taking on one half of the tag team champions, Hangman Adam Page and the natural Dustin Rhodes. Page and Rhodes actually worked really good together. At one point, Page went for a buckshot lariat, but Jericho intervened, and Dustin hit a Canadian destroyer on Sammy. But that uh, was followed up by a buckshot lariat from Page for the pinfall victory, and they defeated uh, Jericho and Guevara. As seems to be a tradition with AEW Dynamite, all hell broke loose after the final bell rang, with the inner circle taking out Page and Rhodes. Kenny Omega came down uh, to even up the odds. Jericho took out Omega with a Judas effect. Cody Rhodes uh, then came to try and help, but the numbers were still too big for him. Ortiz ended up suplexing Cody on the ramp. Inner circle then attempted a powerbomb. Uh, page off the stage, but then Mac Jackson made a uh, rescue and took out Santana and Ortiz with a double spear and saving uh, Page from Hager's powerbomb. But just as Matt was uh, giving Adam Page the middle finger, same uh, receipt that he got from Adam Page the week before, he had his back turn and Jericho took out Matt Jackson with a chair and then took out Adam Page with a chair. At the end of the night, the inner circle were standing victorious over all the members of the elite. And that's how they ended things. And that actually takes us to our next edition of AEW Dynamite. It was scheduled to go down in Rochester, New York. I know a lot of people who actually from this area and Toronto were going to go there to see this show because it's the closest that they've basically been to our area. But as a precautionary measure, AEW has decided that they are going to not be in Rochester, New York. They're uh, yielding against the COVID-19 pandemic that's out there. And the show will be televised on TNT on March 18th. Dynamite will be rescheduled in Rochester 
on July 8th at the Blue Cross Arena. So fans who have already purchased tickets for Rochester show will be offered a refund or uh, their original ticket will be valid on the 8th. In exchange, they're actually going to be going to Jacksonville at Daly's Bar. They've, or whatever it is, they've used it a couple times. Um, and it sounds like it's going to be an empty arena show, much like how Raw and this week, or this past SmackDown and tomorrow night's Raw are going to be at the Performance Center. So they're doing their own way of keeping the show going without having fans risking getting infected. The same actually applies also to Dynamite on March 25th. It was scheduled to be in Newark, New Jersey, and it's now being relocated, probably still to Jacksonville. And Dynamite's uh, show for Newark has been rescheduled for July 22nd at the Prudential Center. I'm sure as the situation changes, and which has been changing daily, hourly, AEW will let fans know of any other changes that come to their schedule. And eventually, if somebody shuts everything down, like we've seen uh, shutdowns of Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, OHL, NASCAR, you name it, all things XFL uh, included, are all shut down, and wrestling seems to be the only thing that is surviving at the moment, even in empty arenas and UFC, because they just did a uh, UFC card without fans in it too. So that's the update on AEW for this week. A little confusing, decent show, leading up to their Blood and Guts event happening in two weeks, or now a week and a half uh, from this broadcast, and... We'll see what happens. Hello. Do you or someone you know have a business that you'd love to have advertised here on our podcast? Well, give me a shout at our email address, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com, and let us know how we can help you advertise to the listeners of this podcast. We'll give your business a shout out, including information on how people can reach out to you and information on your services. If you enjoy podcasts and wrestling information like we do, join the Ontario Indie Wrestling Podcast Network. We have all of Ontario covered, whether it's interviews, information, or event listings. You can find us on Shaw Style Podcasting, The Weekly Whisper, Straight Talk Wrestling, Thursday Night Throwdown, Gilmy Talks, Ontario Indie Road Trip, Knights of the Squared Circle, Ocho and Ortiz Podcast, Ringside with Chops, Stogie Mania, and the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Across Ontario, we have you covered. It's the Ontario Indie Wrestling Podcast Network. Join us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and online at oywpodcastnetwork.ca You hear the rumble in here? The rumble is the sound of progression and fundamentals are being made at the wrestling factory. This is Tyson Dukes 
and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast, y'all. Taking a look at news and results from this past week in WWE, Monday Night Raw started off with Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch addressing Shayna Baszler. First match of the night saw Rey Mysterio return to action after a month on the shelf, thanks to Angel Garza and taking on said Angel Garza. Garza attempted to steal the 619 from Rey Mysterio, but that didn't happen, and Rey hit the 619 and dropping dime combo in the match to pick up the victory. They showed the video that Rhea Ripley did from the stadium in Tampa, and then Charlotte Flair came out to the ring. She was then confronted by Rhea Ripley, and Charlotte just warned her that you are not me, you will never be me, and there will only be one me. Because in the video they said about Rhea Ripley being compared to Charlotte. Of course, with both ladies in the ring, it did become physical, and Rhea Ripley stood tall at the end of the segment. Bobby Lashley made quick order of Zack Ryder. They made note that Lana is actually away right now and filming a movie involving Bruce Willis. Then we had Drew McIntyre going against Eric Rowan. Partway through the match, McIntyre took the cage that Rowan has been carrying around with him and we saw that was a mechanical spider in there. Um, And he set in the middle of the aisleway And grabbed the stairs and smashed the uh, cage. So essentially, I'm guessing, killing this mechanical spider. And then he went on to defeat Eric Rowan, showing some more dominance, leading into his match with Brock Lesnar whenever that happens. The women's tag team champions, Kabuki Warriors, defeated Natalia and Liv Morgan. It didn't help that uh, Ruby Riot and Sarah Logan ended up coming out, and this distracted Liv, who went after them, leaving Natalia on her own, and the Kabuki Warriors ended up taking out Natalia for the victory. AJ Styles came out then with the OC, and proceeded to challenge The Undertaker uh, to a match at WrestleMania. He then also went and broke the fourth wall, revealing, obviously, that what we know, that... Undertaker's real name is Mark Calloway and he's a broken down man and that he is doing this all because his wife, who once again breaking the wall, uh, is Michelle McCool and saying that he does anything she wants him to do and is getting hurt from it. Just getting a little personal in their uh, banter in this case. So we'll see what's going to happen. I believe it has been actually confirmed that these two will go against each other. We already knew that was coming, but it's been confirmed. And this Monday, they are expected to be in the ring and sign the contract to make it official. Once again, they suspended the traditional 24-7 rules to have a regular match for the 24-7 championship. But that just meant that nobody else could interfere and this match could actually happen. And Riddick Moss defeated Cedric Alexander. So they really are still continuing to push Riddick Moss after he defeated Mojo Raleigh for the title. And then he's taken out Ricochet and now Cedric Alexander. And 
unfortunately, Cedric Alexander and Ricochet have both been relegated lately to main event rather than being on Raw on a weekly basis. And oddly, it's happened ever since they lost their matches with AJ Styles and the office seems to have lost confidence in them for moving forward. All night, there'd been warnings that um, Edge was going to come to the show and confront Randy Orton. Randy had been seen numerous times in a darkened but interesting lighted room, pacing back and forth, anticipating the uh, entrance of Edge. And it took MVP doing a segment in the ring, um, wanting to possibly manage uh, people in the future carried his own stable and he thought that Edge would be um, a person that he could build the stable around. Edge came out and didn't really care what MVP had to say and just wanted Randy Orton out there. Randy did come out from underneath the ring and he ended up getting an RKO from Edge for his efforts. Randy escaped. MVP uh, got into Edge's uh, face and business and suffered a spear and a concerto twice over with Randy looking on. This is what they're going to do. Obviously, a lot of fans, including myself, didn't totally agree with that. Um, and a lot of analysts, uh, such as Jimmy Corderas and Jim Ross and others, I've heard them say that this should be an opportunity that they do not touch until WrestleMania. Make people wait Make people want it. At the same time, we don't know now when or if WrestleMania is going to happen. But them coming to blows, I would have personally had Randy Orton be barred from the building knowing that Edge is going to be there and WD officials don't want to have to deal with all that and would have built up more intense moment for when they do encounter each other. Didn't happen. Edge got the RKO a little kind of wonky one, mind you, on Randy Orton, and Randy got away. So we know that's going to build up to them going against each other one-on-one, ideally at WrestleMania, when that occurs. At one point, Murphy and Seth Rollins came up to Aleister Black, trying to encourage him to join uh, the movement. I guess that's what they want to be, end up calling. And instead, Aleister said, you knocked on the right door. And they're going to fight. So they end up having a match against each other. It ended in a disqualification when the Viking Raiders had to come for the rescue from AOP and Murphy. Uh, the Street Profits got involved and it turned into an eight-man tag, which Alistair Black just disappeared into nowhere. And that set up the movement taking on the Viking Raiders, and the Street Profits. Which then the movement ended up picking up the victory over the two tag teams. Earlier in the evening, Kevin Owens had been uh, really attacked by uh, the movement, and he was out, but then as the show was ending, Kevin did make his way back to the ring and had been taking out members of the movement until he got hit from behind with a stomp from Seth Rollins. Rollins then hit uh, two more stomps 
after the bell, making sure that his message was uh, sent loud and clear to Kevin Owens, that if he can't convert uh, Kevin willingly, he was going to do it physically. And, of course, this is going to lead up to Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins in a match, ideally for WrestleMania. And that's how Monday Night Raw ended up going off the air this past week. Next up in the uh, week of results for WWE was NXT on Wednesday night. Due to, I guess, a previous booking by Full Sail, they had to move everything over to the Performance Center for this episode of NXT. The show started off with North American champion Keith Lee defeating Cameron Grimes. After the match, though, uh, Lee was ambushed by Damian Priest, who hit him with a nightstick, and Dominic Dijakovic came out to make the save. He ended up having the uh, championship in his hands, and it looks as though Keith Lee didn't know who had attacked him. All he saw was Dijakovic holding the championship in his hands as he was about to be helped up by Dijakovic, and he ended up uh, picking up quickly and slamming him down with a powerbomb. And so this obviously is going to continue more activity with Dijakovic and Keith Lee, but now Damian Priest is in the picture. So if TakeOver Tampa happens, then these three could be facing off in a triple threat match for the North American Championship. Yeah, possible surprise moment. Mia Yim defeated Dakota Kai to qualify for the NXT Women's Championship number one contenders ladder match scheduled for TakeOver. In this match, Raquel Gonzalez actually was a detriment to Dakota Kai advancing because she had the referee distracted and Mia Yim was then able to apply the facebreaker to Dakota Kai to pick up the victory with a three count. After the match, though, she was uh, Mia Yim was attacked by Raquel Gonzalez. Next up was Kushida defeating Raul Mendoza with a modified Spanish fly that was turned into a submission hold, and Mendoza had no choice but to tap out. In a moment of turnaround's fair play, Charlotte Flair showed up at NXT to confront Rhea Ripley, of course, this also broke down again into a brawl with Charlotte wrapping Rhea Ripley's legs around a ring post and applying the figure four, much like Bret Hart uh, would normally do to Steve Austin and a bunch of others uh, near the ending of his career. And officials got them separated, but Charlotte took a moment of pride in what she just did to Rhea Ripley before leaving. So this is setting up more for their eventual confrontation for the NXT Women's Championship. In another women's qualifying match, Tegan Knox defeated Diona Perrazzo. Perrazzo had a Fujiwara armbar on Knox, but Knox was able to get out, hit a headbutt, and then a Shining Wizard to pick up the pinfall victory, putting her in the match now with Mia Yim and Chelsea Green. This leaves three more spots to be fulfilled before they know who will be becoming the new number one contender for the NXT Women's Championship, whoever 
walks away from Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair as the champion. Velveteen Dream came out to address his um, attack on Adam Cole. He basically said that his plan and personal issues with Roderick Strong were means to an end to get after Adam Cole and figured that with Roderick being taken uh, care of inside the steel cage, this was a distraction for Adam Cole, and that's why he did that whole switch to try and get Cole in there and didn't really care about Roderick. That's why he didn't uh, care about the win, and he wants to challenge Adam Cole for the NXT Championship uh, takeover. Cole really didn't uh, like that idea and said that next week on the show, he's going to be having a party and celebration of being the longest reigning NXT champion in history. So you know this party is going to get interrupted by Velveteen Dream and will eventually set up their match. The NXT Tag Team Champions, the Broserweights, defeated the Undisputed Era to retain the tag team titles. This was the chance for the Undisputed Era to get their rematch. The Grizzled Young Veterans tried to get involved with this as well. But they were unsuccessful and they got hit in the face by Dunn and while well, Riddle got rid of Bobby Fish. The show ended with uh, Tommaso Ciampa in the ring and he was confronted by Johnny Gargano who was sitting in one of the office uh, boardroom areas at the Performance Center. And Gargano said that they're going to do things his way and that's when Ciampa ended up leaving the ring and finding Gargano. The two former tag team partners went throughout the whole office area, even into the workout area. Mirrors were smashed. Walls were broken. They just, office equipment was destroyed. They just went all over the place. And finally, when things uh, couldn't take it anymore uh, further, they ended up back out into the, I guess, arena area. Um, and they were up top on the platform that Mauro Ronaldo usually greets people from, and that's when Ciampa ended up hitting the air raid crash from the uh, stage perch and into the uh, announce table that was directly below it. And that's how uh, things ended up winding up at the end of NXT this past week. Then finally this Friday on SmackDown, they did something very unique where the whole show was done without an audience, and it was at the Performance Center. It was supposed to take part in Detroit at the Little Caesars Arena, but with the outbreak of uh, COVID-19 uh, being part of a basketball player uh, that was possibly there recently at the arena and essentially helped shut everything down, um, WD quickly made the decision just to have no audience show must go on mentality, and it did. With uh, Friday Night Smackdown coming from the Performance Center, Michael Cole and Triple H were on commentary for most of the show. It opened with Bailey and Sasha Banks going against Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss, and that was a uh, tag team match there. I guess uh, during the commercial break, they actually did stop wrestling because there was nobody watching them. And they started up again just in time for the uh, commercials to end. But in the end, 
Asuka came out and cost the match to Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. They are definitely setting up for a women's tag team title match to be happening at WrestleMania between the Kabuki Warriors and Bliss and Cross. After that, they actually showed the whole uh, Elimination Chamber match for the tag team titles that happened just the Sunday before. And that took up a good chunk of the rest of the show. When they that finished up, they did have Roman Reigns come out and do a sit-down interview with Michael Cole in the middle of the ring. I saw some criticism over this, but I actually liked how this was presented because it wasn't somebody playing to an arena full of people. It was not somebody yelling and being over the top. They were actually having an interview, like I said, one-on-one with uh, Michael Cole, and it gave reason for why the match with Goldberg is supposed to happen and why uh, where Roman Reigns is at this point of his life and career and all the changes that have happened. Like, it was a genuine interview with Roman Reigns that you don't get when you have a whole lot of fans there. So this format made it special, and I'm down with it if they continue doing that while they are just trying to put on shows in front of nobody. It appears with the respect given at the end of the Dana Bryan-Drew Gulak match that they are on the same page, and Daniel wants to learn from Drew. Not that the, I have no idea if what Daniel has to learn from Drew, mind you, but they are together uh, currently, and they went against Cesaro. Well, Dana Bryan went against Cesaro, and Sami Zayn was on commentary. Nakamura was at ringside, and so was Gulak. And Dana Bryan defeated Cesaro. But then, after the fact, uh, Drew Gulak did get taken out by Shinsuke Nakamura. In a three-on-two situation, Dana Bryan and Drew Gulak were left lying as Sami Zayn, Cesaro, and Nakamura left celebrating. Jeff Hardy made his long-awaited return to WWE and Friday Night SmackDown, for that matter. And he took on King Corbin one-on-one. Elias was out and about because he uh, has an issue with Corbin as well, and they've been bickering back and forth as of late. So Elias was out on commentary for this match. Near the end of the match, as Corbin had the advantage, Elias began uh, playing his guitar, which distracted Corbin, and Jeff Hardy was able to finish him off with a swanton for the victory. John Cena was brought out to finish off the show, and he was talking about how Bray Wyatt uh, accuses him of being the reason for the Firefly Funhouse and The Fiend existing. John Cena wasn't buying it. He wonders how many times somebody has to be given an opportunity, and he doesn't feel that Bray deserves any more opportunities. And then mention guys like Matt Riddle and others who he thinks deserve more than what they're getting and deserves more than what Bray Wyatt is getting. That's when Bray Wyatt uh, came out to prey upon Cena's insecurities. He referenced their uh, past and the WrestleMania match that they had six years ago. 
said that Cena was responsible for the creation of uh, The Fiend and that that's where he gets his comfort from and that there'll be an absolute slaughter at WrestleMania. And he stared Cena in the face and told him to let him in. And that's how uh, the show ended up uh, finishing off. Definitely unique for being in an empty arena. And we're going to see a bunch of that in the upcoming weeks, I guess, uh, until they can go back on the road. Or until somebody officially has to put their foot down and stop Vince McMahon from doing any of this. And this concludes another episode of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. As I said at the start, it was a crazy week. There's more probably to come. Some empty arena shows probably from Monday Night Raw tomorrow from the Performance Center. AEW in Jacksonville now instead of Rochester. But what will be remaining the same is tuning in here at the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, like, share, subscribe, grow this podcast and our network, which is part of the independent Ontario Independent Wrestling Podcast Network. There's a lot of guys busting their ass out there, providing information, interviews, and event listings. It's available online, Instagram, Twitter, on Facebook. You'll find us, and you'll always be entertained. For all the local information. It's the Ontario Indie Wrestling Podcast Network. And until next time. We'll see you again. Granted I understand. It's essentially the same. Unappreciative crowd full of scumbags. From last night. <laughs> <laughs>